you know, we're all safe and protected. And, and um, so Father is good. Amen. All right, Hebrews chapter 2, verse number 10, it says, For it was fitting for him, for whom are all things and by whom are all things, in bringing many sons to glory, to make the captain of their salvation perfect through sufferings. For both he who sanctifies and those who are being sanctified are all of one, for which reason he is not ashamed to call them brethren. Now, all the Word of God is spiritually discerned. As I've said over the years, the Bible's the only book that you will read that will read you back. Amen. And I sometimes tell, especially in some of the classes that I teach where we've got a lot of beginner Christians and folks that are new to, to a walk with the Lord, I say, listen, keep reading the Bible. You may not understand it, but it understands you. Amen. And, and so the Word of God is not like any book that you'll ever read or study because it's God-breathed. It's inspired. Um, Hebrews 4, for example, says the Word of God is living. It's alive. And it's powerful, and it's sharper than any two-edged sword, and it'll, it'll go all the way to separating your spirit from your soul and penetrate to the joints and even the marrow in your bone. Amen. And, you know, we think, that, you know, this, this world that we live in, as, as beautiful and as majestic as it is, it is a word-based, word-created world. Amen. And, and it was created by the living and powerful words of God. And so when we read and study the scriptures, we have to have the Holy Spirit. We have, we have to be able to spiritually discern them. I think it's uh, sad, but sadly interesting, that the most qualified people on planet earth to know who Jesus was when he got here missed him altogether. Um, the men who could quote the Old Testament, the men who knew from memory every uh, prophetic utterance concerning the Messiah and, and what he would be and who he would be and what he would do. Um, they knew all of those uh, from memory, um, but they could not connect Jesus with that template. They could not uh, put it together. And, and it's because they tried to do it with their brain instead of their heart. The classic example we go to over and over again with this is, um, is Nicodemus. Nicodemus was a Pharisee. He was a ruler of God's people. He was one of these men who had committed the Old Testament to memory. And when Jesus looked him in the eye and said, you must be born again, he said, how can a man when he's old go back into his mother's womb and be born a second time? Notice now, th this is, this is a... a uh, a religious man, uh, you know, to the nth degree. Um, this is a man who has studied the Bible uh, extensively for decades, yet he missed what Jesus was saying because he was trying to understand it with his brain, logically, rationally, instead of by faith with his heart, spiritually understanding, spiritually discerning what it was that Jesus was saying. And so when Nicodemus pushed back, Jesus said, what's born of the flesh is flesh, but what's born of the Spirit is spirit. And if you try to understand the Scriptures uh, with your human logic, your, 
you know, human reasoning, rationale, these, these kinds of things, you, you will never lay hold of what it is that Father's trying to put in you, what He's trying to plant in you, what He's trying to show you, teach you, and reveal to you. Okay? Now, what does it have to do with what we just uh, looked at, what we just read? He begins by talking about Jesus in verse 10, um, and it says that for whom are all things and by whom are all things, okay? Um, you realize all things means all things. And not only um, are all things for Jesus, we see that all things are by Him. And, and of course, uh, we take other Bible verses and we see that nothing that was made was made without Jesus. That He is that... Uh, critically important agent in the creation of all things. So based upon this passage, um, it would be pretty clear that, that Jesus has the supremacy, that, that Jesus is all in all, that Jesus uh, is, is uh, lacking, we could say it this way, uh, nothing. And yet he goes on to say, um, in bringing many sons to glory, for it was fitting for him, for whom are all things and by whom are all things, in bringing many sons to glory. Now that's, that's where you've got to connect with this personally. He's talking about you now, not just the, 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 the male gender among us. He's talking about uh, the, the offspring of God. And, and notice that Jesus... Uh, in bringing many sons to glory. We fell short of God's uh, desires for us, his, his highest and best for us. And so Jesus came to correct that. He came to rescue us. He came to save us. But not just for your sake. He came to save you for your sake, and He came to save you for His Father's sake. It wasn't just that our separation from God negatively affected us. It negatively affected our Heavenly Father. It didn't just uh, make us sad. It didn't just uh, you know, cause uh, a, a deficit on our part. It created uh, a sadness, a sorrow, uh, a longing, uh, a, 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 an unfulfilled desire on the part of our Heavenly Father. And so Jesus came to do what He did for us, but we also see where it says in different places throughout the Word of God that He has done this for His own sake. He has forgiven you uh, for His sake as well as for yours. I'm not saying that it doesn't include you, but what He did for you, He also did to fulfill a desire that He had for you before He ever created you. And so this is what it talks about in Romans 3, that we fell short. Because of sin, we fell short of God's highest and best. But the captain of our salvation has come. He's Jesus, right? For whom are all things and by whom are all things, right? He has come, the captain of our salvation, to bring many sons to glory, right? But notice it says to make the captain of their salvation, your salvation, my salvation, perfect through sufferings. Right? Perfect through sufferings. Now, this word perfect, I, we, we launched into this um, last Sunday on the live stream. And I'm not, I'm not sure how many of you were tuned into that or had a chance to watch that later. 
Um, to be honest with you, it was, it was one of those Sundays afterwards, you know, my family's like, you okay, everything all right? You know, it's, it's because I, I was going back over that message in my, in my mind. Um, you know, let, me, let me just say it this way, and I'm not, I'm not fishing for compliments or anything like that. Just, just hear me out, okay? I, I wasn't satisfied with the message last Sunday. I felt like I tried to bite off too much and that we didn't really have time to dig into and explain. And, and the last thing in the world I ever want to sound like to you is Charlie Brown's teacher, you know, just why, 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 you know, okay? So, amen. But this is something, it, it's, it's a matter of fact, there's one other time in my life and I was, I, was, I was preaching, this was way before the days of heritage, five maybe years before heritage even began. And um, the Lord had begun to show me some things out of 1 John where it says, as Jesus is, so are we in this world. And man, that verse started coming alive to me. And, and so I had an opportunity to preach and I jumped up in front of a bunch of folks and I unloaded the wagon, right? I mean, I was like, you know, like a horse that had been let out of a stall or something, you know, I, mean, I was just, you know, and they were sitting there looking at me like, what in the world are you saying, you know? And I realized about five minutes into it, Brother Oris, that I had the right message, but the wrong crowd, you know what I'm saying? I was like, okay, I'm way over these people's heads. And, um, and it, it was funny because I haven't really felt quite that same feeling after a sermon since until last Sunday. And I'm like, man, what? I, I feel like I blew that opportunity. And so when we talk about the captain of our salvation being made perfect through sufferings, you've got to, for the most part, lose what comes to your mind when you hear the word perfect. You know, when we look at something, we say, oh man, that's perfect. Okay? And, and, and a lot of times what we mean by that is we mean that it's without flaw, it's without error. And, and I'm, not, I'm not saying that that's necessarily a wrong meaning, but when it says in the Bible sense that something is perfect, he's talking about something that is complete. Okay, this is, this is really important. The word teleos is, is translated into our English word perfect, and it means something that is complete. Something that, that is not lacking anything, okay? So when it says he made the captain of our salvation perfect through sufferings, he's literally saying that, that it made him complete through sufferings. Now, this is why you have to spiritually discern the Word of God, because if you just take this verse without any understanding of, of the Scriptures or what it is that Father you know, had, had planned to do before the foundations of the world and what Jesus had agreed to do before the foundations of the world, you get the sense that there's, there's contradiction in this verse. Because how could Jesus be complete, but at the same time be made complete through something He did? It, in other words, it's, it, 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 it sounds like there's, there's conflict here, that there's disagreement here, all right? And so, like for instance, later in the book of Hebrews, it says that he learned obedience through the things that he suffered. Well, you look at that and you think, well, man, Jesus had to be whipped into shape, you know? Because we, again, we, we try to one-dimensional thinking, rational, logical thinking, Applying that to what we understand about a child learning obedience, right? I'm watching my grandson learn obedience right now. 
You know, and which means he's having to be corrected when he goes into the kitchen and opens a drawer, right? He has to be corrected. He, he's learning obedience. And so that's what we understand when we hear of someone learning obedience is someone doing something wrong and they're being corrected, okay? Jesus never committed a single sin. It wasn't that he was having to learn obedience by being corrected, right? But what he is communicating to us through all of this is that Jesus experienced something and in the process became something because of His suffering for us that He had never experienced before and therefore had never become before. As complete as our Savior eternal. Remember, Jesus is the eternal Son of God. Alright, I'm kind of getting that little sense again right now. Stay with me. This is not over your head. Let the Holy Spirit help you. He's stretching us this morning, alright? Jesus is the beautiful Savior. Are you understanding what I'm saying? He is the eternal Son of God. He is the morning star. I mean, all the things the Bible says about Him, every bit of that is true. But you realize, until He became a man and actually suffered for us, He was not any of that as far as our salvation is concerned. Are you, are you understand what I'm saying? In other words, he had to endure it as a man. He had to suffer as a man. He had to pay the price as a man. He had to be beaten as a man. He had to have the crown of thorns placed on his head as a man. And this was something that everything that he was uh, in heaven, the eternal Son of God, this was something that, that, that he did not have to give until he paid that price. So when it says to make the captain of our salvation perfect through suffering, to make him complete through suffering, it's not that Jesus was incomplete, it's that we were incomplete. Remember, everything that he did uh, on this earth as a man, he did not do to make himself right before God in the eyes of God. He did to make you and me right before God in the eyes of God. So our salvation, let me try to say it another way, and I'll share another verse with you in just a moment. But he did this to make your salvation perfect. And, if, and if, if your salvation is perfect, then the result of your salvation is perfect. Let me say it another way. If your salvation was somehow incomplete, right, then you would not be completely saved. Are you, are, you, are you understand? There's this, this is the, the um, if this word perfect is used strategically by the Holy Spirit throughout the entire book of Hebrews. Okay? And it starts out talking about Jesus and how as the captain of our salvation and all that He suffered for us, right, it brought a completion to what it is that He did for us as our substitute. Amen. Are you understanding it now? You say, well, well that verse about learning obedience through the things that He suffered, what, what, what does that mean? Remember in the Garden of Gethsemane when He was agonizing, knowing what the will of God was for Him and what His suffering was going to involve and he kept asking his father if there's any other way for this cup to pass from me would you please make it known to me now if there's something else that can be done here that'll make this plan work apart from me enduring what I'm about to endure that was his humanity crying out wrestling with this right but of course we know that at the end of the prayer what did he say not my will father but your will be done 
Now, again, He even did that for you and me as our substitute. Meaning what? Meaning that when we find ourselves in similar situations where we are struggling with something that our flesh wants that would, would somehow try to override what Father's desires are for us, we can call upon the name of Jesus and make the same confession out of our mouths, not my will, but yours be done. Now, He suffered to make our salvation complete or to make our salvation perfect. He suffered then ultimately to make us perfect. Now, I know I've read this verse a few times over the last several weeks. Romans chapter 8, verse 17, out of the Passion Translation, and since we are His true children, we qualify to share all His treasures. For indeed we are heirs of God Himself, and since we are joined to Christ, we also inherit all that He is and all that He has. We will experience being co-glorified with Him, provided that we accept His sufferings as our own. He suffered on your behalf. This is when the Bible refers to the fellowship of His sufferings. He suffered for you so that something could be affected in you, so that something could be produced in you, so that something could be transformed in you. All right? Now, Hebrews chapter 5, verse 9. I want, you to, I want you to connect some verses together. And I say I want you to connect them. I want you to allow the Holy Spirit to connect some verses together so that you see bigger parts of this, of this picture. Okay? So, Hebrews chapter 5, verse 9. And having been perfected, this is speaking of Jesus. Having been perfected, He became the author of eternal salvation to all who obey Him. So one of the ways that, that maybe we can see this more clearly is through a simple question. If Jesus had not went to the cross, would your salvation be complete? If Jesus had avoided any aspect of what He did for you as your substitute, would your salvation be complete? And the answer is no. It would not be complete. Remember, it, it wasn't just the nails through his, the, through his hands and feet, right? All this, again, has such deep roots back in the Old Testament. They would put uh, the, the anointing oil, or they would put... Uh, the blood of, a, of, a, of an animal sacrifice on the thumbs and on the toes. Why? Because those were the, the, the main instruments that someone would use to sin, right? Hands and feet. Every, every place where, where, where Jesus bled from, amen, it, 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 was, it was strategic. Even the, the spear in his side, the wound in his side, right? Where was the bride of Adam taken from? was taken from his side. Father God performed surgery on him. He went into that side and took from his side a rib, and from that rib he created his bride. He created Eve. So even strategically, the, the wound in his side uh, was, was, was 
was symbolic and, 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 and putting a bow, if you will, a completed bow, if you will, on all that Jesus did for us because we are the bride of Christ taken from His sufferings, taken from His side, if you will. The, the crown of thorns on His head, Isaiah made it very clear. 1 Peter uh, 2.24 confirms it. The stripes from the whip on His back that was strategically endured so that you could be physically healed, supernaturally healed in your physical body. So we see that he, all of these different uh, aspects of, of what He suffered, what He endured, obeying the plan that Father God had laid out. He did every bit of that so that our salvation would be complete. So that no stone would be left unturned. So that no uh, uh, avenue or inlet for the curse was left open. Jesus shut it all down. Even when they took His clothes from Him and gambled for Him, right? The Bible doesn't say, you know, everybody says Jesus was such a poor man. Jesus was not a poor man. Are you hearing me? He was not a Jesus had no home. He had a home. He chose to not hold up in that home. He got outside of his house and traveled all around the area. But read it carefully. When he calls early disciples uh, to himself, they went and had lunch with him in his home. He was given a fortune at his birth. Gold, frankincense, myrrh, right? But the Bible says it this way. He who knew no sin became your sin so that you could become his righteousness. The Bible says it this way, right? That He became poor so that you could become rich. Poverty is part of the curse. Jesus strategically allowed Himself to become impoverished for you. So, did He live as a poor man? No, He lived as a wealthy man. How about this? Judas was stealing from Him and He still had plenty of money to help people. He helped people so frequently financially that when Peter left the Passover meal, the other disciples assumed that he was going to help someone in financial need. How often would you have to go help someone in financial need for him to get up from supper and leave a very important meeting to assume that he was going to help someone? In other words, you follow what I'm saying? How many people would you have to help on a regular basis financially for that to be the assumption when he got up and left an important meal. Well, we know where he's going. He's going to help somebody again financially like Jesus must have told him, right? But on that cross, he didn't, he didn't live a poor man, but he died a poor man. Are you understand what I'm saying? He died impoverished. Why? Because he shut off that inlet of the curse into our lives. Everything that he suffered, it was strategic, Right? Even, even the, 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 the taking of his, of his... Remember that garment, the Bible says that they didn't tear it. it. It was a garment without a seam. I mean, this coat, I'm looking at seams here, here, shirt's got seams. A garment without a seam would have been something that a rich man wore. Right? Strategically crafted. With, very, very expensive. And they stole it from him as he hung there naked and bleeding. And they gambled for it. Prophesied. The prophet said it would happen. And it happened. Are you hearing me? So every bit of this, every detail of this, Jesus obeyed. He endured. 
He suffered so that the captain of our salvation would be made perfect, right? And the salvation that our captain provides for you and me and now offers to you and me would therefore be perfect. It would be complete. Oh, sweet Jesus. I told, I told the group uh, Tuesday morning at the foundry, I said, listen now, um, I've already been talking to the Lord about this. I said, I, up until March of this year, I usually preach 13, 14 hours a week. And I haven't been able to do that in a long time, you know what I'm saying? So, uh, amen, I understand. I've looked at the clock. But see, Sister Pam took some of my time, right? So, so give me just another minute or two, all right? Another minute or two. Okay. Y'all all right? Okay. So if we take Hebrews 2, the captain of our salvation perfect through sufferings, and we go to chapter 5, verse 9, and having been perfected, speaking of Jesus, he became the author of eternal salvation to all who obey him. Okay? Now, interspersed in the book of Hebrews are some key points that again relate back to this concept of something being complete. For instance, Hebrews chapter 7 verse 11, it says, therefore if perfection were through the Levitical priesthood, for under it the people received the law, what further need was there for that another priest should rise according to the order of Melchizedek and not be called according to the order of Aaron? Again, there's a lot of teaching that we could do from there. I'm just trying to show you something. In, in very detailed comparison, the book of Hebrews says, let me, let me simplify it for you. The Old Testament priesthood could not produce the completeness that only Jesus has completed for us. So if we look back at the law for an example, we've, we've compared it to like a donut spare tire. It was never meant to get us all the way back to glory, all the way back to what Father God desired and intended for us. It was only intended to bring us to the day when Jesus came and salvation was made available through faith. It was a stopgap measure. It was a temporary measure. It did not provide eternal redemption. That priesthood was flawed. Those sacrifices were flawed. And the best that they could offer was temporal, temporary and incomplete. So as we read through the book of Hebrews, he's making these comparisons back and forth, back and forth. Same chapter, chapter 7, verse 19. For the law made nothing perfect. It made nothing complete. It left a lot of loose ends. Come on now. Am I the only one that doesn't like loose ends? Do you understand loose ends? Bethany's, uh, she's in like nursing mothers, Facebook groups and things of this nature. She's very socially active uh, online. And um, she has made a friend in California 
And, um, and she's been just sharing Jesus with her. Bethany said, you know, that something about she would pray for her. And the, and the lady said, well, I don't really believe in that, but if you want to, I, I, that's fine, you know. And, and the Lord really worked in the situation where Bethany had prayed for her. And so she's like, hey, you pray for me about this now, you know. And it's, it's kind of starting this whole, whole conversation. And so par, part of what they're dealing with is they're, tr they're trying to uh, buy a home and there's a real estate thing involved and and one of the houses that they really wanted there in California um, it sold um, but now it's back on the market and so in the conversation Bethany said to her she says houses are selling like hot like hotcakes around here also okay well a couple of days later the lady confessed she said I had to look up hotcakes she goes I didn't I didn't know I didn't know she never heard that expression before you know Selling like hotcakes here in Alabama, you know, so, you know, barefoot and pregnant, praise God, you know, so anyway. Um, so she, she confessed to Beth, she had to look up hotcakes. So when I said loose ends, I'm like, some folks may like loose ends. Is he talking about a hair salon or what is he talking about here? Loose ends are like when, you know, you get a, whole, a big part of it taken care of, but there's little details, you know, that need to be finished or, or, or worked on or whatever. And so the, the law, the Old Testament law and the Old Testament priesthood, it left a lot of loose ends. It left a lot of different openings, cracks, if you will, for the curse to slip in. Jesus left no loose ends. He left no stone unturned. He, he left no cracks. The salvation that he suffered to provide for us is complete. And because the salvation that has transformed us is complete, the Bible says it this way, and you therefore are complete in Him. So we take chapter 2, last connection, and then we'll pray, all right? Chapter 10 says, my favorite verse, as we said, um, and I got a lot of favorites. Hebrews chapter 10, verse 14, for by one offering, slide number 15, Christy, I appreciate you putting that up there. Amen. For by one offering, he has perfected forever those who are being sanctified. You see that? Has perfected forever. What does that mean? He has made you complete forever. You're complete. You're complete. It's amazing to me, stand with me, praise God. It's, 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 it's interesting to me how waves of things come through the body of Christ. And a lot of times, if you, if you listen to, uh, you know, current Christian music, you can, you can pick up on those waves because it, it's, it's, it'll always eventually be reflected in, in, the, in the songs, okay? Um, Matt wrote a song, Send Judah Up. Well, he wrote that song after he preached a sermon, Send Judah Up. Okay. Uh, Brother Tom Roberts was a part of this family of faith for many years. Um, every time I would preach a sermon series, he'd write a song about it. I've often said I'd like to know who Chris Tomlin's pastor is. Right? Right? Because Chris Tomlin, he, he, his lyrics and the, and the doctrine in his music is fabulous. And it's spot on. Okay. So what happens then is, is the, the preaching 
I'm not saying it, it always goes this way, but God speaks first to his people through his, his ministers and then the songwriters and singers and worship leaders, you know, tend to lay hold on that. Bottom line is, it'll eventually show up in the music, right? And if you notice how many songs of late use the word broken, right? Let me, let me give you an example. Who remembers, it's probably been five or six years ago now, it was like every third Christian song had to have the word hurricane in it. You remember that? I'm like, what is up with this, man? You know? Some of you listen to Christian songs like, no, I listen to ZZK, Pastor Mark. I have no idea what you're talking about. No, so, all right, so no listen. Right? So, it's like every third song had the word hurricane in it, right? Okay, so what have we been hearing a lot of here lately? Broken this and broken that. How broken we all are. How, how our, our, our hallelujahs are broken. Everything's broken, 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 broken. My friend, you are not broken if you are in Christ Jesus. You are complete in Him. You are complete in Him. Amen. Amen. And that's a, I'm telling you, that it's fixed, right? Right? Amen. It's e even better than fixed. It's new. Amen. I mean, it's like... Amen. So, let me just pray. But I think, you, I think you're picking up what I'm putting down this morning. Amen. Complete. Forever. Complete. Forever. Not because of what I've done. But because of what He's done for me. Amen. He suffered. So I wouldn't have to anymore. Amen. Father, you're so good to us. And we are so thankful, Lord, to be back together again this morning. Father, I, I know how much you enjoy it when we get together, so I can only imagine, Father, how much it must mean to you, Lord, for us to be here and worshiping you in person. Father, we're thankful for the, the music. We're thankful for the message. But, but Lord, it, it's the fellowship that's so critical, Lord, even in all of these things. And so, Lord, we just... Um, Pray for our brothers and sisters, Lord, that, that may still have uh, great concern about going in, the, in, in public. And I know a lot of some of them have underlying health issues that, that give them an extra measure of, of caution. And, and, and Lord, we understand that. We respect that. We pray for them. We believe, Father, that your hand's upon us and we're protected. And Father, as we leave this house this morning, Father, may we continue to shine as your lights in this world helping other people see the truth of who you are and what you've done for us and done for them, the captain of our salvation. And we worship you this morning, Jesus. And it's in your name we pray these things. Amen and amen. Praise God. Well,